0: We are at, at the Comic-Con, yeah, hectic and noisy and full of, full of interesting characters and a bunch of great artists and fun to be here.
1: For somebody who's been doing for comics as long as you have, you haven't been to that many of these.
0: No, I, I, I think the first one I went to was in 1988 yeah. for the release of my Dorman's Doggy book by Kitchen Sink Press. Do you find that people seek you out; they know your
1: stuff, or is it just a sort of slow sweep across? Uh,
0: well, I'm ancient history by now, <laughs> so no. Uh, m- 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 most of these young people have no idea who I yeah. am. Are you? Uh, so are you still teaching? I retired ten years ago. Oh yeah. So what? You, what are you doing these days? Draw- drawing pictures. Yeah. And, is that a P car? What? Is that a P car? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did it for this. You know, just to remind yeah. people that I that, that I drew Harvey Picar. I've got a couple of Picar pages here. Somebody said they wanted to buy one, so
1: the movie helped at all when that came out. I know the book probably started selling a little bit more at that point.
0: Well, I had nothing to do with the yeah. uh, uh, but Harvey was very good about giving royalties yeah. when he got them. But uh, yeah, the you know, it, People sort of think you're you're nothing until you're in the movies, <laughs> so you know and, and of course the movie was boy Harvey was really delighted, yeah oh, Jamadi you played him of, of course <laughs> one of the biggest actors alive Man,
1: there must have been a little bit of uh you know interest again in your work when it came out though particularly the uh our cancer uh, year
0: yeah yes um yeah. Always kind of laid low, so yeah. I, 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 I'm not, well, I, I'm not, am not a household word or, or, or a familiar face.
1: Well, you know, I think, I think when you know the first, the first big work you're doing is the uh, the new adventure, the, the new adventures of Jesus book. That's um, certainly a po- polarizing subject matter.
0: Well, and that was my idea about yeah. about uh, it, you know people. You know, it, it, I didn't mind at all that they would get furious about it because I thought one of the you know, biggest anti-intellectual forces in the country was this blind perversion of Christianity. Yeah. And it was not Jesus I was making fun of. It was them. The very the people that would get infuriated.
1: We are doing it in Texas, too, which I suspect really yeah. <laughs> upset yeah, people.
0: Yeah, that... The, the, the South is particularly mean. Yeah, and Texas is. Texas is. You know, I'm, I'm a Texan, but uh, and I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I don't disown Texas, but yeah. I don't like those sons of bitches much. <laughs> well, you're in Missouri now, right? Yeah, no better. They, it's just kind of te- Texas watered down. <laughs> what kept you around the South? If I could afford it, if I afforded to live in New York, I would have. Yeah. If I could have afforded to live in Paris, I would have. Or if I'd had the nerve to go to a place where I didn't speak the language, I'm 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 jealous of Crum and Shelton for, for relocating to France. M- much more civilized. Yeah. And Gilbert's out there. Robert yeah. Crum's out there. Yeah, I asked him one time how many others were there, and they said, <laughs> "Oh, only us." Exactly true, true. But they're the big ones. Oh, John Malkovich lives about thirty miles from where, from where Crown yeah. lives.
1: So, did you go straight from Texas to Missouri?
0: No, no. I, I. I uh, let's see. I got. I was working for the Houston Chronicle. Yeah. And the army wanted me, so I went into the army, and that ended my newspaper career. Uh went out to California for for training, and and then. And then I by then I decided I wanted to go back to graduate school and went to the Chicago Art Institute and was there for a year And when, when I realized that the Chicago Art Institute didn't didn't offer a graduate degree, so <laughs> you realize that after you, got, you went out there? Yeah, I wasn't too too brilliant. <laughs> Well, what they did is offered it through University of Chicago, yeah. and they weren't going to accept my University of Texas degree without remedial courses, and I wasn't in any mood to take any goddamn remedial courses in Chicago, for God's sake.
1: Chicago's not a bad bad city to be in, though.
0: Well, this was one of the worst winters that they yeah. ever had, and, I, and and to live in Chicago with no money is no fun. Or live anywhere with no money yeah. and much fun. So I applied to graduate schools and, and took the first one that was offered, which was Wyoming. Oh. And then I got called up in the reserves again, back into the Army. And I, yeah, I hated being in the Army, but they stationed me in New York City on Governor's Island when that was still an Army post. It isn't now, I think. Uh, but then, I, I so you were leave. here for a little while. I was here for a year. Yeah,
1: but it was through the army.
0: Well, I was living in town because they they weren't ready for a whole company, and, and so they let those of us who wanted to live were married, who wanted to live in town. So we used up all our mo- all our money an apartment in in New York, but great I mean, West Ninety Fourth Street between Columbus and Amsterdam. You know the Thalia Theater nearby. Uh, so the Metropolitan Museum across the park. So you you went you went into the army by choice. I went into the reserves yeah. by choice to, so at least I would I thought I would control when I'd be in the army yeah. and and not just be surprised about when they called me up, but then I got surprised anyway because I was in the reserves, and Kennedy called up yeah. the reserve for the Berlin Wall crisis. That was a year before the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I was, well, that's when I started drawing the Jesus cartoons. That was 62, and it, in, in 63, Gilbert Shelton... Who was my friend by then? Yeah. Published them in, down there in Texas, but I wasn't even there in Texas by then. So, uh, so
1: you and Gilbert kind of, it kind of met through happenstance. I mean, there wasn't really a, a alternative comics scene at that point.
0: Well, I was the editor of the College Humor magazine, yeah. University of Texas Ranger, and Gilbert came around with his portfolio, and of mm. course. I wasn't too dumb to realize <laughs> here he, he, he was somebody that really had it. Yeah, and I don't know whether anybody else published him, but in 1959 we did a double-page spread of Gilbert's cartoons, and uh, and then I, but it was in New York that we really bonded. He, he, he's great companion. He, he, very quiet and silent and hermit-like, but. <laughs> If he's your friend, yeah. boy is he a good friend. Yeah.
1: I'm assuming that, you know, fifty nine, early sixties you didn't really see a future in cartooning.
0: I already realized that if if you were a syndicated cartoonist mm-hmm. or if you that you were gonna be highly censored. Yeah. And I just decided I didn't want I didn't want to play Play censorship games. I'd already done a lot n- enough of that in high school and college, and so I just thought. No, I started drawing cartoons that I did, didn't think could be published. I was, even though I wasn't going to be. Well, I'd worked for the Houston Chronicle as yeah. a cartoonist too, and so I was well aware of what you could print and what you couldn't print, and I started drawing what you couldn't print, and. Gilbert liked that. <laughs> Obviously, there are good sides to being a syndicated
1: cartoonist. It's steady work. You get exposure, but you know censorship is certainly a part of it. Um, having to do it every single day, too. I, oh yeah. Everyone I talk to, you know, people burn out really quickly. There were a lot of there were a lot of cartoonists I think around you know that that generation that originally sought out to do that, and really, maybe Bill Griffith is the only one
0: who really managed to pull it off in a big way. Oh yeah. And and and. and- he never failed, to, yeah. Nor did Gary Trudeau fail yeah. ever failed to to be trenchant in their yeah. criticisms. But of course, Griffith does surrealism. It's amazing that that he was able to bring surrealism off. And
1: but in a way, in a way, you can get away with a lot more if it's surrealist. You know, if you can oh, hide true. the meaning a little bit more. This yeah. is New Adventures of Jesus is a lot of things, but subtle is not one of them.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I I I do some subtle jokes, and, and <laughs> but I mean just in terms
1: of you know trying oh, to stand, yeah. fly into the radar of oh, a newspaper.
0: Yeah. yeah. In fact, I I, I I was just sitting here drawing and, and just did a. well, that's John. Yeah, that's that, that, that's John. Yeah. Orlando over there. Yeah, I think the next page is Jesus.
1: Oh yeah. Do you think anybody's doing really sort of good? political cartooning work.
0: Yeah, and in fact there's a good one working in uh, he, You know, and he gets reprinted around named John Darko and yeah. he's a good one of course the best one was Oliphant but yeah. he's he, what well, he did retire and then he was so outraged by Trump that he's come back again with. and of course Gary Trudeau yeah. uh, stays political uh, but I mean, this is this is a real crisis with it in with with the you know president who's so silly that he's almost beyond. Um, yeah, satire. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and you do you do I feel like probably get to a point where it's things get so bad where you feel like you know just sort of sitting back and cracking jokes maybe isn't going to make that oh, big of a difference.
0: Well, I think. Oh, W. H. Auden, uh, you made a di- made a contrast between satire and humor. Yeah, satire has a social purpose of either ridiculing people that who are in responsible positions to the point that they'll change their behavior, or pointing out their you know, their absurdities so that their responsibility may be taken away from them. But it does have that that social, political purpose. Humor doesn't, really. Humor is just it, it, anybody that deserves ridicule gets it. And, of course, the great humorists like Jack Benny or Robert Crumb... They start out by pointing out how ridiculous they they are themselves. And after they have said everything that's possible to to say in criticism of themselves, (laughs) they say, okay, now it's your turn.
1: (laughs) If the point of satire is, uh, like you said, ridiculing somebody to actually affect change in them, it's probably not something that's going to work this time out. I mean, I don't know that we have a president now who... Accepts ridicule
0: in the same way other people do. Oh, he—he yeah, he, he is the most classic narcissist that yeah. I've ever been aware of. And bringing people to compare him to people like Caligula and Mussolini. <laughs> and, it
1: seems like uh, Nixon is almost too tame of a comparison.
0: Nixon was uh, Nixon was an excellent cartoon character. He uh, m- maybe the best one that we've yeah. had. Um. Partly because he really was sensitive about criticism yeah. and wanted people to, to like him without being just self-deluded to think they liked him when they didn't. I do remember him saying, oh, the young people like me, and what everybody said was, "Ha!" Oh.
1: Have you been inspired at all? Has, has what's going on in the country inspired you to make art?
0: Yeah, sort of. Um uh, grotesqueries like this yeah uh, so nothing literally
1: maybe about trump but just sort of
0: no i i i in fact sort of promised not to draw trump why's that well sort of like when henry kissinger was being made fun of on something Night live is it the idea of humanizing somebody what he said was the only thing worse than being on it was not being on it. Yeah. In other words, in a sense, there's no bad publicity because you're it, it, when someone is it is the object of r- ridicule it and they do have a following, it it solidifies the following to get behind the person who's ridiculed and uh, turn you turn the criticizer yeah. into the villain that was a lesson i got you know doing criticism back when i worked for the houston chronicle better than to say you didn't like a play or musical performance or an art show that's that that was still helpful to them, yeah. so if you really didn't like them, act like they aren't even there. Yeah, that's not going to work with Trump, of course. But
1: I mean, you're doing these paintings, and you're doing them largely to sort of sell at shows. It's not mass production.
0: I don't really. I got a pretty good retirement from the university yeah. and social security and inheritance from from my family, so I don't need to sell anything. And I yeah, and I don't sell much <laughs> partly because I'm not trying much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like to get stuff published. That's that, that's the main thing I'm not doing that I would like to do. And you know, not so much make money off of it, but you know, as as Delacroix, you know, the great painter, said one time, "Glory, the idea of glory means something to me." <laughs> I. You know, I I don't. I think a bad thing for an art, artist is to get credit that's better than they deserve. What's better is to, to deserve better than you get.
1: <laughs> you know, in theory, but in practice, it's nice to get credit.
0: Sure, and you don't do you don't do art. Sure. To, well, you know, I, I, my daughter stopped doing art. She's pretty good at it. Yeah. She said, "Oh well, if, if you do art." You don't ever know whether anybody likes it or not. Like, But if you're a musician or a performer, they applaud you. And, and in, as a matter of fact, when you do art, especially if it's got, got a biting edge to it, and you don't even exactly know what kind of response you want. I mean,
1: I will say I've never been to an art museum where people are clapping at the paintings. Yep. <laughs>
0: Well, in fact, I, I remember going to a corolle show at the Met one time. And, you yeah, know, they were having World Series parade down downtown. There was almost nobody there. And the ones that were there talking, none of them were speaking English, Spanish, German, yeah. Italian, French, Americans for the most part. Don't know how to react to art. I think you not know, painting. Yeah, you know. is, is that
1: part of what what uh, led you down the road of, of comics? Was just that maybe there wasn't that sort of appreciation I for was, modern painting.
0: I was a storyteller. Yeah, but and uh, it, it's kind of like being an auteur filmmaker. Yeah, it, 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 We're con- a bit of a control freak. I want I wanted to do the inking. I want yeah. to do the writing. That's a yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about the only. I've worked for a couple of writers. Yeah. Harvey Picard. How did you hook up with Harvey? I wrote him a fan letter and he, and, and he wrote me back and said, Will you draw a story for me? And I said, Well, sure.
1: You wrote it to him with no expectation that he would no. give you a job. No.
0: Well, I wasn't looking. I, I, i'm i almost never looking for work, yeah <laughs> must be nice well, I had that job as a t- teaching, and that yeah. took up so much time what I wanted was spare time and I, you know although when i when I started there, I was working for a humiliatingly low salary at you know, teaching art at the University of Missouri. they finally gave me a good retirement though. Was there ever
1: a sense of jealousy for people who were able to do that full time, for you know Gilbert or anybody else who's able to really, kind of for a, for a while make a real career of it?
0: Well, actually, Mort Walker one time when I showed him my Dorman's Doggy uh, cartoon about a, a dog, he responded more favorably than I even expected him to. He said, "Would you like to syndicate this?" I thought about that for about two minutes, and I huh. said, no, <laughs> because I know that if he was going to get behind it, I would have to simplify it down, no. make, make it look like high and lowest and clean up my jokes, uh, otherwise, you know, they, they weren't going to do Doggy shitting on the lawn, jokes or pee- peeing on the in, in, in the living room. I was gonna have to homogenize it yeah. for, for the family newspaper, and I just didn't. I didn't want to work for the da- damn conservative family newspaper editors. Although I am really, in, I am envious of somebody like Dan Peraro. Yeah. Because yeah. he goes full out, full out, and doesn't seem to worry about what they think, yeah. Yeah, and neither does Bill Griffith. Oh no, no, it's fine. No, it's all right. It's all right. No, no, no it's supposed to be outrageous.
1: <laughs> she said it's how she feels right now. Oh. She, she can relate to. Uh...
0: Well, 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 when I when I do s- s- sexy pictures, it's supposed to make you think that hey, that'd be fun.
1: To be fair, you might have gone out of your way to have this one out on the table for people walking by to
0: see. I, I was intending, really, <laughs> to, to, to tuck it away. Oh, All really? right, I was, I was showing, uh, ah, somebody that one, which is, you know, it's, it's just sweet, Charlie. Oh yeah, uh, I've never drawn cartoons about Mohammed or Islam because I know nothing about them, but I guess. I I have to now to show solidarity with the Brotherhood. Okay, I draw Mohammed or Mohammed or however he spells it. Hope I don't get killed. I'll call him Mo. Uh Uh-oh, I don't know what he looked like. You'd have thought that somebody would have taken a picture. Well, i just have to fake it. He probably had dark curly hair and a long beard, kind of like Jesus. Don't know what he looked like either, come to think of it. (laughs) So should I show him, show him looking like Jesus? But Jesus is usually drawn looking like a blonde movie actor. What to do? I just won't do it in color. Should I give him both halos? It's
1: two stick figure drawings of Jesus and Muhammad next to each other. Uh, actually,
0: it's not very good, is it? <laughs> Maybe I should lay off spiritual art and go back to m- m- work as an American cartoonist. Rush. Saying something really dumb. Hannity <laughs> or maybe
1: God, next. This is a real comics page, so you are still doing some comics pages from time to time?
0: Sure. But I don't have a regular publisher, so... Yeah. And, in fact, I, I'm, I'm really liking doing com, you know, color comics. But you've got to be real special, like Richard Sala or somebody... For them to actually reproduce your watercolors. Otherwise, you know, they, they they want it digitally colored. And I don't like doing digital coloring, and I'm no good at it either. My, my son is good at it, and he's a good colorist, so... If I do get a chance to do digital coloring, I just have him do it. Were you able to
1: benefit at all from the sort of alternative comics... Uh, obviously, it's gotten a lot more popular in the past, you know, fifteen maybe twenty years. Uh, I think did Fantagraphics put out the uh, the Jesus book?
0: Yeah. So and, and, and the all, all three of those, they did.
1: So you were you were able to experience a little bit of the the windfall from that?
0: Yes, um, I, uh, but yeah, yeah, the, the, for me, when the things. That I find particularly appealing about the comics is being able to tell a story with drawing, and the the mainstream art world doesn't give a damn about drawing anymore. Yeah, and so that's what I find attractive about it. But I, I'm no fan of the superhero comics.
1: You said, to, again, to paint a picture, you said that as three people just walked by in
0: costumes. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not hostile to them. Yeah. It's just that I... Well, for, you, know, you ever read uh, Jules Pfeiffer's The Great Comic Book Heroes? Sure, sure. Well, I think he kind of nailed it about what it, that was all
1: about. How it, so? You,
0: oh, the disinterested. Franchise yeah. alpha male wanting to imagine that he would he would fight for good in secret, uh, you're, the, you're, you're outside the law, just you know it, it was the it was very much involved in the alpha male having no real power, but you know, living this life of. Vicarious adventure in, in imaginings, and I, I kind of think by the '60s, it had lost its validity. Hmm. It, plenty of validity coming out of the Depression when nobody yep. had anything.
1: You don't think there was anything to the um, like the Kirby Stanley that sort of X-Men that early era stuff or early Maybe, I was, or,
0: maybe I was just too old. But no, <laughs> I never responded right, to okay. it much. Yeah, I won't say not at all. Sure, but it just wasn't here. I do remember that when Gilbert Shelton and I and you know, a bunch of other artists and cartoonists were were cruising the comic book shops in New York in sixty two, our feeling was, it's over with. <laughs> yeah, it, c- certainly the superhero stuff was, was had lost all of its vitality huh. and of course that was just as Stanley and and, yeah. and those guys were were coming on with theirs. But I remember that when back when I was a kid and I was a big comic book fan as a kid I loved Superman and and Captain Marvel and and of course Carl Barks's Scrooge, yeah, and, yeah. Scrooge, and Donald Duck, and, uh, boy, some people, some guys are so pretty they look like women, don't they? <laughs> I can't even tell whether that beautiful person there is
1: a man <laughs> or a woman. You know, maybe it's twenty seventeen. Maybe it doesn't
0: matter. Yeah, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> but, but 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 what what a great face! Right well, Yeah. It, it, Anyway, I, I, I remember that when the comics started looking like Jack Kirby... Yeah. You know, ...late 40s, you know, Captain America, and got, I don't even remember which ones he really did. I thought it was just way too mannered to to make me... I, I, one of the reasons I really liked Milton Keynes was that, you know, when they fought... It looked like that was hurting you. <laughs> Steve Canyon and Pat Ryan knew how to throw a punch. And you, you don't do it roundhouse. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you take a boxing lesson and you realize that'll get you knocked out real fast. You thought it was too theatrical, maybe? Yeah. No. Yeah. And uh, just not believable. Well, my rule was, if you do action, you're you know, hurdling or swinging on a vine through the trees or, or, you know, somebody punching somebody else in the gut. It ought to be believable. It ought to, you ought to hurt from it.
1: When I look at something like music or comics, I just sort of wonder how much of it is me aging out, how much of it's just not, it's just not for me anymore.
0: Well, I think when, when it does... Lose its energy, you know, like a lot of old stuff does. It wasn't all that good to start with, probably. The great stuff, I think, you can't recognize it when, it, when it's hot, but the great stuff doesn't fade badly. Yeah. Uh, and that's one reason I like to go back and look at stuff that I liked when I was a kid. Some of it holds up real well, and some of it doesn't. Yeah, I remember really loving The Hunger when it came out and thought it was, but it dates badly now, the the hip, hip groovy dancing and all that. I
1: think a lot of things, I think we discredit a lot of things for not aging particularly well, but it's not always the fault of the art or the artist. Sometimes, you know, things just change.
0: Well, I think when uh, a reason I didn't respond very much to the Kirby and yeah. Marvel was I was a little old for it. Yeah, but by then, you know, in my late twenties, of course, my old enthusiasms, were like, well, it was mostly my favorite comics were the newspaper comics, and I think. Until the mid-50s, the newspaper comics were pretty wonderful. You know, Buzz Sawyer and Steve Canyon, just drawn so beautifully. That yeah. Nothing ever drawn any better than those, I think. Alley Oop, just magnificently drawn as long as V.T. Hamlin was, was in it. He did it for like 40 years. And I I loved the, the, the serial format, too, Look, loved the old movie serials and yeah. watched up almost all of them that I can can find
1: what, but you didn't have any you know particular connection to Walt Kelly or Charles Schultz
0: sure loved them
1: ok so you didn't just uh, didn't just stop enjoying <laughs> newspaper comics all the other
0: oh and and Gary Larson yeah you know, some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen and yeah Bill Waterston's. sure uh, Calvin and Hobbs and yeah. Dan Piraro's Bizarro. Every once in a while, you get, you get to thinking, oh, nothing's any good anymore, and then something sure. like that will come along.
1: Dan stuff is really great, and obviously, you know, we were talking about Bill Griffith earlier, but it, it does feel like a, a very different time from the standpoint that, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe there aren't...
0: Well, I, he's almost the only one that'll give you a good drawing every day. Yeah. There, there are a couple of others. Pet Brady with, with uh, Rose's Rose, always... Gets a pretty good drawing, but most of them just blow it off.
1: I wonder, you know, I wonder how much of it is uh, obviously newspapers just aren't where they were before, um, and it's not.
0: Well, Roy Crane told them, just announced, "You shrink me one more time, and I'm quitting." Yeah. Well, they did, and he did.
1: Yeah. So it's it's just and it's certainly not the. Uh, it's it's always shocking to me to go back and, and read stories about. Uh, newspaper cartoonists in the 30s and 40s when they were kind of rock stars at the time they were
0: they were you know this Ch- was Chester Gould and Dick yeah. Tracy everybody in the country was hanging on sure. Dick Tracy and Bob and, and um, yeah and it seemed like they were permanent they were yeah you know, permanent part of your culture and they were going to last forever and then and some of them did, like Blondie. Yeah. So you can't even remember when Blondie was any good. Yeah. But it was. It was of energy.
1: When was it clear to you that underground comics were really starting to become a real a thing?
0: Oh, I jumped. I, I jumped in as, as as soon as it.
1: Well, you were one of the. You were really one of the first in. But at what point did it occur to you that you know that oh, this is more than just a couple of people doing a few goofy books.
0: Gilbert Shelton was sending me stuff, stuff from San Francisco yeah. uh, in in the early... Well, in fact, he was doing Fabulous free Freak Brothers for the L.A. Free, free Press uh, before the comics really kicked in much. But certainly by 68, it was pretty clear that yeah something, something was... And I was drawing in things as fast as I could because Ripoff Press would publish them. And, and I was loyal enough to Ripoff Press that when they went moribund, not publishing new stuff anymore, I, I didn't go with anybody else for 10 years until Dennis Kitchen finally yeah, offered to publish.
1: Were you, were you just not publishing for 10 years?
0: yeah yeah i did didn't have a publisher that 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 trusted me and i essentially I did not want to work with the editors yeah yes. as
1: you've made that very clear in all of our conversations about newspaper comments that you didn't want you didn't want an outside force guiding the book at all
0: well and even Mark Walker said I, I, I one time I asked Mark Walker directly yeah. I was even trying to bait him because I know he's a statesman of the newspaper comics. Yeah. He loves them, defends them at all. I said, newspaper editors hate the comics. I will, don't they? And he said, yeah. <laughs> That's not what I expected him to say. Yeah. So t- it's
1: ten years of you just not drawing comics at all, or are you just not publishing comics?
0: No, I'm not publishing them right now. But but
1: that but that I mean that was a pretty vital stretch between. Yeah,
0: them. yeah, it, it was a crisis for me because I was I, Ripoff was the one that started my yeah. publishing career, and and I was going to stick with them, although I did do that comic strip about the dog for the Ripoff uh, Syndicate, which went to alternative press papers, and I did that for a year.
1: Did it, did it feel like you were done with comics at that point?
0: I, I figure that comics is just part of what I do. Yeah. No, I never.
1: Ten years is a long time, though.
0: Well, I mean, that's just a rough rough. Sure, dish, but, but
1: even but, so, I mean, that's a...
0: Well, I waited to, yeah. to, to seek another publisher for about ten years after. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I was doing some things, like... Or, well, I'm researching things that, like those three fine arts stories I did, the Shakespeare story, the Van Gogh story, the Caravaggio story. When you're going to do the historical stuff, boy, you, the sources are not. And Robert Crum got into a lot of difficulties Yeah. his genesis. Yeah. He got into it and just realized he didn't know what the costumes looked like. Yeah.
1: That book took him a long time if I remember correctly. Five years. Yeah.
0: And in fact, Pete Kapinski searched movies to to get stuff and he went to scholars about the authenticity of the games. Oh it it it, crumbs Genesis is probably the greatest classics illustrator ever done.
1: There's something actually really fulfilling, though, in going that deep into something, you know, really feeling like you've accomplished something.
0: Well, I I found that I I would usually read deeply into a subject like Benvenuto Cellini's autobiography or what Gauguin and Van Gogh wrote or Shakespeare stuff. And I would come up with a key dialogue about the drama that was involved in, in those stories. Things that were like arguments between Van Gogh and Gauguin yeah. or, or, uh, or, or, or what Caravaggio and the guy he killed over the tennis match, what they, ha, ha, how their argument was going. I would nearly always st- start with the with a dialogue based on as close reading as I could. Very it's good. almost
1: like uh, a lot of people do it with song lyrics, just sort of pulling out yeah. a nice sounding phrase.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, I, I wrote the Shakespeare story in iambic pentameter, just as the Shakespearean... <laughs>
1: There are certain decisions that you make as an artist where, um, you know, you can you can pour yourself into it. I assume that was very time consuming, and you're taking a gamble whether anyone is ever going to actually appreciate the effort that oh, it took yeah. to make something like that.
0: Well, the thing is, is when you you talk about subtlety, yeah, I
1: of uh, 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 Well,
0: when I was editor. Of the Ranger, I tried to learn all the jokes. You can't ever do it, but I, I you, know, you know, and, and contributors to those, you know, those, under, uh, those uh, uh, college humor magazines, including people like John Updike, yeah. and Virgil Parch, yeah. Robert Benchley, who worked for the Harvard, <laughs> Harvard Lampoon. Yeah. Uh, some of the great humorists, of, and and in fact, to do humor, you've got to understand the traditions of it, uh, and, and it was one of my major studies in college—not not just painting and drawing, but but Mark Twain and Jack Benny, yeah, uh, W.C. Fields, Young, Youngman and but, and in fact a lot of jokes are based on knowledge of sure. the, uh, other jokes yeah. and that's what get, get, gets really tricky.
1: That's what gets comedians into trouble.
0: Yeah, you, you don't know what your audience knows.
1: Sure. I think Milton Berle used to get a lot of flack for joke thievery.
0: <laughs> a thing that Picasso said did <laughs> any young man i don't i don't doubt would have said it too if there's anything good to steal sure, sure. i steal
1: what is it good uh good artists borrow great artists steal was is that picasso yeah i think
0: so <laughs> oh hal fosters <laughs> stole it from picasso <laughs> uh, well he said I, I i only steal from the very best yeah
1: are you working on anything long form at this point or is it mostly sort of these these sketches?
0: Oh, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But I, but I wrote a novel and uh, that I kind of like. Yeah. Oh, uh, a, a western novel about a failed expo- exploration in the in the Southwest around the time of the.
1: Do you get the same fulfillment out of something if no one ever really sees it?
0: I, I I like to have it published sure. but it's getting more getting more difficult to publish yeah. things now because of all the other alternatives you know, but you know, people are urging me to do things like self-publishing self-publishing yeah. I don't really exactly like to do that but but there is a anti-intellectual
1: sure
0: the, the law is you know, the federal laws put a couple of things that are pretty serious uh, against publishing itself. One of them is that taxing the back inventory, and that means if you try to keep a book in print, they're going to tax you on the unsold copies of the book. That's the reason everything goes into remainder almost immediately, and it's very discouraging to a publisher to publish something that may sell well over the long term but is because they sort of figure that the first year is when they're going to make their profit and if they don't, they're not going to keep it in print. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's an anti-intellectual law. You're just treating scholarship, art, anything that is published just as a commercial commodity i think
1: that's one of i mean i, I in, in a sense i think you know modern technology has been very empowering for people from the standpoint of maybe not having to go through that but one of the big downsides of it is that uh, y- you have to control every part of the process and that's that's good from you know for you as as not you know not having to have editorial oversight but it's bad from having to be your own your own publisher having to be your own publicist
0: well then Fogo did offer if I wanted to self- publish something that he would distribute it yeah. and of course that's that's the main problem yeah. you have in self-publishing how does anybody even know your book exists if you didn't send out review copies and you only have
1: so many Facebook followers
0: yeah <laughs> and and you look you don't even know who those are. Yeah, I mean, always. I probably know about maybe a fifth of mine. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and uh, yeah, John Orlando over here has been a Facebook friend for a long time, but I just met him last night.
1: So this could be good for you. I mean, you are, you know, you haven't been to one of these in a little while, but you're kind of getting out here and meeting people and potentially making I, some connections. I
0: went to San Diego a couple of years. Times ago, yeah, with a new book, yeah, and uh, I didn't do a lot to publicize it, and I maybe sold four books in at, at
1: <laughs> But you're meeting people who could, you know, theoretically publish your book. Is is, well, is Fanographics isn't really interested anymore?
0: I can't tell. Uh, Gary Growth has not turned. I've offered him several things. He hadn't yeah. turned them down, but he hadn't accepted them no. either. So I, I don't know where I stand I think but,
1: it's probably you know, a pretty good sign that
0: <laughs> well not necessarily yeah. in fact I asked him well he published that book of my figure drawings and I said well you, he said he, I said well can, can I just forget about doing anything like that again he said oh not necessarily which reminds me of one of my favorite jokes from mystery man where you know Mr. Furious is disgusted by the, the the guru that they have. The Sphinx, who is always giving them advice, and he, it, Mr. Furious is, is angry about something, and the Sphinx, who was West Studey, who the, the in the three yeah, uh, the Mohicans, he says, "My son, if you do not." Control your anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're about to say. Your anger with my anger will control me. That is what you were about to say, isn't it? And said, oh, uh, not necessarily.
1: <laughs> so that's that's how you feel about your uh, publishing future right now.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. I'm not desperate about it. Yeah, but I, of course, I like to publish stuff. And well, I. I, I, I've got a a graphic novel that maybe just isn't quite long enough. It's hmm. only about maybe 46 pages, which isn't going to give me a spine.
1: Yeah, 46 pages, that's a big floppy, basically.
0: <laughs> I could have made it twice as long. I, you know, yeah. I packed a lot of story, but it, I think it's a pretty good one. It's called Kiss Me, Jesus, and it's the passion story. From the point of view of Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And...
1: So, some uh, some subject matter never gets old, I guess.
0: Well, th- this one's pretty, it's, it's pretty provocative. Yeah. In fact, somebody, I thought, commissioned me to do a story about Jesus and Mary Magdalene, Pierre Stelzelski, and in Strasbourg. said, if you'll do one of these, I'll publish it. So at first I thought I don't have any such story. And then I started reading the Bible, thinking critically about it.
1: Did you started to, to casually open up the Bible and started reading?
0: Well, <laughs> y- y- yeah, well, the Gospels.
1: Yeah. The New Testament.
0: And, and I was sticking to the story of Jesus himself. Yeah. I wasn't... No... No, I considered having you know, going beyond and you know, the the later adventures of Jesus, but I decided not to do that. Come well, in fact, in Saint John, it ends by saying, after his resurrection, he did many things that would fill up another book like this one, but I'm not going to go into that now.
1: That's sort of like the end where it says "to be continued." Yeah. Dot dot dot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the only one that that suggests that he get a lot of, and it's, and of course, if you want to take the, the tradition, Saint John seems to be Jesus' brother. And yeah. And he refers often to him to himself in the, in the. In the book, as the the apostle whom Jesus loved, and he cer- certainly seems to be talking about himself. And I know that you know that isn't necessarily good 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 scholarship to believe that I- any of those things are by who they're said to be by, but but I mean as some I, I was. Quoting somebody, some some passage from the Bible, and one of my scholarly friends said, "Well, if you can't read Latin or Greek, you don't know what that really said. You yeah. only know the translation." And I said, "Well, yeah, that is all. All we it, 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 the people I'm talking to, the people I know, the people that are talking to me. That's all they know either.
1: Well, yeah, and 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 again, I think this gets back to what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about the New Adventures of Jesus that you were. You're not writing it critically about Jesus. You're more writing it critically about the way people are interpreting it.
0: And in fact, if Jesus wanted you to re- regard some book as holy, yeah, why didn't he write one? So you know, none of that stuff would hold up in court because <laughs> it's all hearsay. Yeah. I mean, you know, who said he said that? Oh well, any anyway, of this. You know, I in a way I I reject religion because I think it's it's superstition. Sure. And I'm a rationalist. On the other hand, it's certainly a strong part of our culture. Yeah. That I think they want to be a strong part of the culture, then they're subject to criticism.
1: <laughs> My philosophy about it has always been, you know, I can't I can't begrudge somebody believing in something if it really if it works for them, you know, if it really. Sure. It helps them out.
0: Yeah, but if it cr- causes you a burden, if yeah. it drives you nuts, then yeah, it's it's not so good.
1: <laughs> Getting back to the to the Jesus book, I mean, did you feel did you feel that you, you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish from the standpoint of 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 satire, the way you defined it earlier?
0: I pretty much said what I have had to say. Or, yeah, how it affected anybody else? How, how, how do I know? Yeah, you didn't get feedback. Was was what? most
1: of your feedback angry feedback?
0: I, I know there was a lot of angry yeah. feedback, but using that pseudonym, I didn't get much of it. Mm. Only occasionally a letter would be forwarded from Ripoff Press, but the best book signing I ever had for it was when. That French version of it came out, and of course, they had the English version yeah. too. At uh, BD Spirit in, 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 in MoMart, and even Jim Van de and, and other American comics people showed up. I probably signed 50 or 60 books yeah. at, at that. And people had told me, oh, this is a Protestant Jesus. People born in the Catholic tradition w- wouldn't respond to it. Well, they responded to it very yeah. well in, in France. And lots of young Frenchmen came up and, and said that they were grateful to me for sort of breaking the that stup- superstitious hold yeah. that, that they had inherited <laughs> in their culture. And... Uh, And I'm hopeful that there are Americans that think that, although very few of them have ever said it.
1: There you go. That was Frank Stack. Thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that. Real, real honor to speak with him. I I know he doesn't do a lot of those events. Um, I just happened to uh, find out on Facebook that he was uh, here in New York City for uh, Big Apple... Comic Con, which is a really, really weird, a uh, really weird setting in which to interview Mr. Stack. Uh, I apologize belatedly for for the audio on that one. Uh, I did the best I could, but it was a very crowded uh, showroom um, floor. Really weird setting. On top of the fact that I was interviewing this legendary underground cartoonist at a mainstream superhero show, just sort of an odd show for those of you who haven't been. It's at a uh, hotel right across the street from, from Madison Square Garden. Um, and uh, a really, really heavily costumed show. Uh, you know, I, I after the interview, I uh, went to hang out with my, my friend uh, Heidi McDonald at the Beat, and, and we sat there and watched them um, make costume contests. Um, and then, you know, this the room with all the signings and just, like, up against the back wall is Frank sitting there behind a table full of his his drawings? Some uh, as as, as uh, happened during that interview, uh, somebody walked by and and pointed out one of the the more uh, more more controversial ones, I suppose. Um, but uh, really, really enjoy that talk. Um, thanks to him, Frank, uh, as you know, as you mentioned, is uh, semi retired. Was a, uh, a professor at the University of Missouri for a long time and obviously has a uh, very uh, uh, well-respected career as a cartoonist um, through The Adventures of Jesus, which is often regarded as as, as one of, if not the first underground comic. Uh, and then the work that he did with uh, Harvey P. which is how he first uh, came onto my radar. Um, he did uh, some, some issues of American Splendor and also did the uh, the book Our Cancer Year with uh, Harvey and uh, Joyce Brabner um, really enjoyed that talk thank you so much Tim for for taking the time to do that thanks to uh, Big Apple Comic Con for helping set that up uh, thanks to you guys as always for listening to the program if you like the show please uh, consider uh, throwing a couple bucks our way over on our Patreon we are not running ads on the program right now so that's the only way we can make money otherwise we're uh, losing money for all of our hosting fees and things like that um, or if you don't have any cash then uh, please uh, rate us on iTunes that would help us out quite a bit it uh, you know, helps us pick up a, a little bit of uh, heat as they say in the industry over there and um, you know, also looks good when we're trying to get some guests for the show uh, if you've got any feedback it's rwellcast at gmail.com Pulse on Tumblr, that's rwellcast.tumblr.com and the first the best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L related information. Uh, like us on Facebook and I think that's about all I got for this week so thank you so much for joining us and stick around because we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L.